We're building this city one day at a time. Welcome to Grow Lincoln, the program with Lincoln's future in mind. Your hosts are former Lincoln City Councilwoman Robin Eshelman and Dave Albers, two experts in the field of commercial real estate and business development. Now, it's time to Grow Lincoln on the Voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. Send an announcement to us on Facebook or Twitter about your business opening, closing, or relocating. Provide us with your new address, an approximate date of opening, and one sentence or elevator pitch for what you do. This segment is possible today because of Lincoln Electric System, the Nebraska Grain Sorghum Board, and Sarter Heyman Jewelry. Coming up in the show, unforgettable entrepreneurs in Lincoln. We're going to talk to Christina Oldfather at Lincoln Partnership of Economic Development about startling startups and the Silicon Prairie, Dave. Yes, and also when heating and air conditioning systems are taking a beating, we're going to talk to John Henry's Plumbing and Heating. We've had to kind of switch back and forth between them these upcoming weeks. We, we certainly have. <laughs> when you suddenly need a resume help for former UNL students who are looking for a job now. Well, Robin, why don't we introduce our first guest Christina Oldfather, Lincoln Chamber of Commerce's Lincoln Partnership of Economic Development, Director of Innovation and Entrepreneurship. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Well, first, okay, so I have to ask you real quick. For all of us who went to UNL, Old Father Hall, is that a coincidence? It is a coincidence. Um, I My husband is from Texas, his family, so we always say there's a lot of there's not that many old fathers, so no. likely there's some relation, but like maybe um, not that maybe we're aware when of the somewhere down came the road. To America, yes. <laughs> but after that, we don't know. Right, huh? we're, we are the Texas <laughs> contingent of old fathers. <laughs> oh boy! So, all right, you're in this fascinating business called economic development. But when you were a little girl growing up, did you want to be an economic development director? Was that your dream? Yeah, no, I didn't even know that was existed or was a thing. <laughs> How old were you when you? Were realized it existed. Um, so I was actually working on my graduate degree um, yeah. at, at the University of Nebraska Omaha and happened to have someone in my class that worked for the State Department of Economic Development. They were like, hey, we've got a got an opening there. You should really think about it. And I'm like, well, okay. And, what was your major? Um, so I was a political science, okay. um, history, and then a master's degree in public administration. Well, that's not a bad transition. That's pretty good background for, for what you're doing. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it, it, yeah. It, it worked out pretty nicely. Um, yeah. Why don't you explain your role at the Lincoln Partnership for Economic Development? Sure. So, you know, the, the Partnership for Economic Development is, is really focused on, you know, an overall economic development strategy for the city. Um, my area specifically is entrepreneurship and innovation, and I kind of boil it down to uh, creating infrastructure to help entrepreneurs be successful here in Lincoln. And that comes about in a couple of ways. Some of that is direct support to um, entrepreneurs and to founders. Some of it is really just building that community um, that helps those companies be successful. Well, good for you. Um, we need a lot of that here in town. Now, we know as you work with these entrepreneurs, you're not supposed to have a favorite. <laughs> but 
I bet you have some pretty notable stories or some pretty unforgettable. Uh, we won't use the word favorite. We'll use notable. Yeah, yes, I, yes, yeah. I like that. Wait, which ones stick out in your mind? Yeah, so there's definitely a few. Um, and it, and I think overall, when we look at some of the programming we've done, um, the other, the really cool thing is, is we've helped such a wide variety of entrepreneurs as well. Anything from like tech startups to e-commerce to social impact companies. Um, but I guess, you know, probably one of the most recent examples is uh, through our Launch LNK program where we give a grant to early stage, high growth, normally tech startups. Um, we had one of our very first uh, grantees was a company called Basic Block that's here in Lincoln. And they uh, essentially help truck drivers get paid faster. They're a fintech company that um, is focused on the trucking and logistics industry. If there was ever an industry where we wanted them to be paid fast, so they bring us our stuff fast yes. the last couple <laughs> of years, it would be them. Became more and more relevant over the last yes. couple of right. years, for sure, as a very painful uh, problem. Uh, but they recently announced uh, that they raised $78 million. Um, That's a good chunk of money. That is a For good chunk Lincoln, of money. Nebraska, this is pretty good. It's huge, huge. And they're hiring people. They're growing. Um, they've also been just a really great example of how utilizing some of the things that we've put together can help these companies grow. We have another program called the Founders Fund, which is really early. Hey, I might have an idea. We help them do things to move that idea forward. So maybe um, get access to data, put together a marketing video, or in their mm -hmm. case, um, we help them fly out to Silicon Valley to be a part of um, an accelerator with a, a really notable uh, venture capitalist out yeah. there that really helped them kind of raise that money and, and start that huge growth. Track. I didn't know that you did that, that you took them to California and and connected them with people like that. Yeah. So, well, and, you know, the program is really all about how can we help those founders grow what they're doing and move forward. And, um, you know, it's definitely come back and, and showed how, how it can work. Can you Great. think of one that really surprised you that you maybe didn't think would take off and make it and sort of took the team yeah. by surprise? We don't want to have any of them that went the other way. We only want <laughs> no, the only the good news. <laughs> we're, we're, we're all about, you know, optimism here. Yes. Well, you know, in, in a, a couple, at least one other one that stands out in my mind is um, a company called Sapan. Um, so Brooke Mullen is the founder. Um, she spent a lot of time in Thailand and she's got a supply chain where she has Thai artisans make these um, really incredible leather handbags. And so she sells them online, um, but she actually just recently also opened a flagship store here in Lincoln. Um, so Really? Yes. Where is that um, store at? So it is down around um, 48th and Pioneers in really? that area. Yes. Hmm. So, you know, she's got this huge market, but also right here in Lincoln, we can... We can go visit the store and, and buy buy the handbags. Oh, fun. Well, that's interesting. Yeah. Hey, uh, you know, obviously some people like to get a hold of you to help you. Uh, you with for their you to idea. Help, yeah, to have you guys help them out with their plans. How do they do that? How do they get a hold of you? Yeah, so probably the best way is um, first, I would say, going to our website. So we have a website. Um, it's startuplnk.com. Um, it has all the contact information for me, anybody else on the team. Um, the other cool thing is it has a list of resources 
um, here in Lincoln and Nebraska that entrepreneurs can access to start their business or grow their business. Um, it also has a startup calendar that we curate that is all the events and ways to just really get plugged into this startup ecosystem and um, figure out how to get what you need. Is there something that you wish they would have done and have ready when they contact you? Do you wish that they had a financial plan or, yeah. or business, business plan is what business I always plan think or, yes. or what, what do you wish they could have? In yeah. place? Um, you know, so it just really depends on what their idea is and, and what they're thinking about. I always say like for some of our programs, the best place for them to be is to have at least validated that idea to a certain extent to make sure Vetted that it was some people, right? That this is something that truly is a problem that people are willing to pay for a solution. Yeah. Um, but sometimes we get people at the idea stage and we have places we can, we can send them as well. Um, that's, that's, I think one of the benefits of Lincoln as well is that, you know, we are very interconnected with a lot of the things that are happening in the startup ecosystem. So if someone calls me or they call, you know, somebody else that's running different programs, we can kind of push them around to the right place at the right time. For, for what they yeah. need. Website again. StartupLNK.com. Okay. Right. Very interesting. Good stuff. Yeah. Thank th you. Thanks for what you guys do down there. I think it it really gives Lincoln that buzz that has hit the national. You guys provide the splash and the support, which is really cool to see. Coming up next, um, when you're heating and air conditioning, take a beating. It's hot. It's cold. Air on, heat on. <laughs> We've all been seeing it this season. John Henry's Plumbing will be in to talk about your small office or your house. It's Grow Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. Are you experiencing a labor shortage? Check out the possibility of being a sponsor on Grow Lincoln. We'll run ads for the positions you've got open and interview you on air about your growing company and why your organization is such a great place to work. <laughs> there you go, Robin. This segment is possible today because of Charter Title and Remax Concepts. When heating, ventilation, and air conditioning systems take a beating at your place of business or in your home, I th it seems to me like weather like this would be kind of tough. Yeah. <laughs> it's hot. Well, just all weather, all, all weather, you know, it, it can be can be tough uh, on, on HVACs. And so uh, we got the right person in So we got the right here. guy. Weston Kalhoff from John Henry's Plumbing. Welcome to the show. How are you? Pretty good. How are you doing? <laughs> Thanks for having me again. Yeah. I mean, there's there's things like pollen that can get mm -hmm. caught in there, water leaks. I mean, even from our perspective as realtors, buildings that sit vacant mm -hmm. and yeah. the, the heating and air conditioning are not used at all. What in your mind are some of the worst things, you know, people not changing the filters? If you were going to rank them, <laughs> yeah. what are the worst things? I, I think generally the worst thing someone can let happen to their HVAC system is just your general lack of maintenance. Like, you know, like you said. Is it the filters? Yeah, and yeah plugged filters. I mean, we see that all the time. Um, it's something that, you know, I, I think I talked about it last time I was on here every two to three months is kind of what we recommend. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, a lot of people just forget about filters. Um, I always tell people set a reminder on your phone every three months. It's just a quick grab one, throw it in, and then you're done for another three and months. And especially if it's a vacant house that you're renting Absolutely. or a vacant oh, yeah. office building or something. Yeah. 
don't forget to go in and change that. It, exactly. Yeah. Um, another thing is, you know, in the summertime, plugged condenser coils. So your, your cotton, you know, we have all those cotton trees. Um, they always plug the condenser coils up. They just make air conditioners work a little bit harder, especially, you know, when we get those extreme 100 degree days, that high humidity, air conditioners, they, they can't breathe basically so they that might it. be your number two is oh, that, yeah. that cotton that's stuff? number yeah. two yeah. all right yeah huh. interesting i hadn't thought about ranking these problems <laughs> yeah <laughs> problem one filter yeah. <laughs> problem <laughs> two, two cottonwood trees <laughs> <laughs> understandable though i mean and are you talking about just having somebody go out with their own hose and cleaning off their condenser is that what you're saying or yeah yep. well, what should we do in the spring and the fall what, what would you yeah so springtime you know some people like to do it before the the cotton flies some people like to do it after um you know if you just take a, a hose out there just general garden hose with a little bit of a nozzle on it just kind of spray at an angle you'll just see all that dirt cotton just kind of wash down it um that's something that we always do on our Air conditioning checks is always wash the wash the coils out and and change the filters basically. Mm-hmm. And then your company offers, of course, the services of coming yep. in the spring and the fall. Exactly. To yeah. do there's probably some other things. Oh, that you absolutely. Do. We have a whole checklist. You know, air conditioners. You know, wash that coil out, change the filter, check refrigerant pressure pressures, electrical components. Um, fall time. You know, we we clean the burners, the flame sensor check carbon dioxide levels, um, check for gas leaks, just general, um, make sure that furnace and air conditioner is ready for that upcoming season. Let's say you are a homeowner or a landlord of a residential or commercial building and you didn't do what you were supposed to do. Mm-hmm. What are the months that you see the most breakdowns? And if you want to avoid standing in line, you know, come in and have some somebody check it prior to that yep. month or months yep. when are your busiest times for replacing systems that have not been cared for properly yep. our busiest by far is may through august i mean depending on how early that heat hits um may we're starting to pick or pick up a little bit um and then come june july august when you know we have those endless hot spells that high humidity um, we're just, we're swamped. You know, there's, when they do break down, you know, sometimes people don't have air conditioners for a week at a time. Um, there's some things that we can kind of do to, you know, sometimes get them running. Um, but by far that May through August in the summertime is busy. Um, December, January, depending on how bad the winter is, um, those tend to be, you know, kind of the, the busier times in, in wintertime. Um, if you're trying to plan ahead, get that replaced, February, March, April, just when there's no extreme temperatures, that's, that's where... That's the time to yeah. replace well, that's Absolutely. Yeah. That makes sense. The The yeah. problems are during the extreme times. Exactly. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, makes sense. Do you sense. have any memorable stories? I, I'm sure this happens at some point mm-hmm. where you go in to do maintenance for somebody and it's kind of a sad story. Maybe they, they don't have the money to fix it or replace it. Or you caught some terrible leak that could kill somebody or start a fire. Yeah. Do you run into those situations? We do. I mean, each situation, obviously, each home is different. Um, there's one that I kind of remember just because, you know, I'm a new parent now. Um, and I kind of always remember that is it was during that cold negative 30 degree hot or yeah, negative 30 degree a cold year, spell last ago. February. Yeah. Um, and we were, we were going out on our routine maintenance and they just brought the, their first newborn home probably within the, the month or so. And, you know, I walk in the door and they say, well, our, our furnace doesn't seem to be, you know, kind of acting up right now. Um, 
and we go check it out and the motor actually was going out um and so that's we could we got it taken care of on site um not a big headache to the homeowners but it, it's definitely something where with a new parent they didn't they don't want to deal with worrying you know if it's going to be 50 degrees in the house with a, you know a one month old with but baby yep yeah. exactly so, so that got you yep so yeah. it, we got it taken care of and yeah what once again, yeah, everybody has those little situations yeah. you always remember and it kind of tugs at you a little mind. bit. Yeah, yeah. Yep. absolutely. How do people reach you if yep. they need to do something? Our main office is 402-435-5555 or our website is www.jhlincoln.com. Weston Callhoff, John Henry's Plumbing, they are a sponsor for our show and help us bring this kind of information to you that actually can... Maybe save you a lot of money in the long run. Thanks a lot for coming thanks, in. Thanks yep. for coming in. Yep. Coming up next, Roger Frank from Frank Financial Concepts, Wars and Stocks. We'll be right back. Everyone is excited about new business, and our business is to tell you what's new. This is Grow Lincoln on 1499.3 KLIN. For over a decade, Grow Lincoln has been the economic development show that tracks businesses opening, closing, and moving around Lincoln, including breaking news about new restaurants for you on Facebook and Twitter. And this segment is possible today because of Christensen Hearing Analytics, Lincoln Airport Authority, and Service Master Professional Building Maintenance. Roger Frank from Frank Financial Concepts is in with us. How do wars affect the economy and the stock markets? Um, I want to ask him about that. Roger, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. How are you guys? Pretty good. Well, doing kind, well. Kind of a kind of a sad subject today, but let's uh, let's start with the Middle East because I'm trying to figure out. You know, is there a tie between when those wars broke out and when what happened to the stock market after that? Yeah, as far as the Middle East goes, uh, I, I think the markets largely ignored the recent uh, conflicts uh, that went on in the Middle East and Iran. Um, so really, the markets, uh, you know, just kind of continued to do its thing. But Europe and Russia and NATO, this this does seem different. Um, and I think what bothers everybody is how eerily like World War II this feels. Yeah, that could very well be. Um, Certainly, the the events that we've seen over the last few weeks uh, has bothered the markets. But you look back over the last, uh, say, two, two and a half months, and there's been a lot of other things besides the current war in Ukraine and Russia. But, you know, one of the things that we probably should talk about is, is that a conflict in Russia, you know, certainly has caused the volatile oil markets that we've been seeing and, and the pain at the gas pumps that uh, we've all been seeing as well. But, you know, Russia is a key producer in, of crude oil and natural gas. Uh, they have pipelines that feed in many parts of Europe. Uh, history tells us periods of uncertainty, like we're seeing right now, uh, are usually when stock uh, or the stocks uh, suffer the most. Researchers looked at uh, the U.S. military conflict after World War II, as an example, and found that in cases where there is a pre-war phase, an increase in the war likelihood tends to decrease stock prices. But the ultimate outbreak of war increases them. And from the start of World War II in 1939 until the end uh, in late 1945, the Dow was up a total of 50%, and that's more than 77% per year. 
However, in cases when a war starts as a surprise, the outbreak of war decreases stock prices. So it's kind of interesting to look at some of that uh, historical uh, from the wars. Yeah. Well, talk about wars. Uh, I believe you may have studied back to like World War One, haven't you, Roger? Yeah, we, we did. We kind of looked at that as well. And, and in the six months following the onset of World War One in 1914, the Dow fell about 30%. The war basically ground the business world to a halt, and market liquidity all but dried up. I think the decision was made at that time to even close the stock market that year. That lasted for about six months. Uh, That was the longest such period on record. However, the Dow rose more than 88% in 1915 after the market had reopened, which remains the highest annual return on record. So during two of the what I would say the worst wars in modern history, the U.S. stock market was up a combined 115%. Wow. Man, I remember uh, thing, you know, what was happening after 9-11. Why don't you mm-hmm. uh, talk to us about that? Yeah, uh, people remember the, the late 90s had the, the dot-com uh, era. We were already going through a recession, and then 9-11 came uh, around. So, you know, the terrorist attacks on September 11th, saw uh, stocks really fall sharply. It was down about 15% in less than two weeks following that tragedy. The economy was already in the uh, middle of a recession, as I mentioned. Uh, The stocks were in a free fall from the bursting of the dot-com bubble from the late 90s. But really, within a couple of months, the stock market had made back uh, all the losses that had occurred in in the aftermath of 9-11. So, you know, investing in a crisis is certainly no doubt risky uh, for the timeline, and the scope of the recovery is really uncertain. So we'll just have to kind of wait and see how uh, inflation, uh, gas prices, um, a possibility of a recession, as well as the current Russian and Ukraine war going on. We'll have to see how that affects uh, the markets over the next several months. Um, Summarize the markets for us this past week, Roger. Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, You know, as I've mentioned before, you know, we certainly uh, are down for the first few months of the year. Uh, the Dow Jones, and this is as of March 10th, the last time I looked, uh, the Dow was down about 8.71%. The Standard & Poor's 500 is down about 106 and the NASDAQ Composite is currently down about 16%. And I kind of look at those negative numbers as, you know, there's certainly positive or, or possibilities and opportunities out there in the markets if you look for it. Thanks a lot, Roger Absolutely. Frank. Thank you, Roger. Appreciate Thank it. Thank you. You bet. Roger Frank is a registered representative of and securities offered through Berthel Fisher and Company Financial Services, Inc., BFCFS member FINRA, SIPC. Investment advisory services offered through BFC Planning, Frank Financial Concepts, BFCFS, and BFC Planning, Inc. are independent entities. Coming up next, what happens when you've graduated from college, you've been out of the job hunt for quite a while, but you need help with a resume? We'll be right back. Economic development is not boring. It's our future. It's Grow Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. Welcome back to Grow Lincoln with Robin Eshelman and Dave Albers. This segment is possible today because of John Henry's Plumbing, Lincoln Chamber of Commerce, and Baylor Evden Law Firm. 
Chris Tim is with us. She's with the University of Nebraska Lincoln Business Career Center. Um, we re we recently had a Grow Lincoln fan who asked about getting help in preparing a resume and finding a job. And so I told him, well, if you graduated from UNL, you can go back there and get some help. So she's going to talk to us about this. Welcome to the show, Chris. Thank you so much. Glad to be here. Where is the Career Center located? Well, we're fortunate at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln to have career professionals um, in many of the colleges and then in the student unions. I mean, as you already mentioned, I'm here in the Business Career Center at the College of Business. But most of them have their own office within that college that you can go to, the, you know, so if you graduated, you, you can get that help? Yeah, most of the career center professionals are able to meet with alumni, and so I think that's kind of a good starting point um, going back to the college that might know the most about your major or areas of interest. But we also all um, are willing to help anyone, so you know you might be wanting to change career paths, and we're glad to chat with folks about that too. For someone who hasn't been out looking for a job for a long time, um, and if they weren't recruiting workers themselves and if they weren't taking resumes themselves as part of their previous job duties, this has to be pretty intimidating to be in this situation at this point in time. Do you get anxiety from graduates coming back for help with job hunting? Yeah, I think we do. I mean, I think the job search can be intimidating for anyone, you know, whether you are just starting your first career or now re-careering a little bit later. You know, we get caught in our routines and then step back and think, you know, what do we really want in that next career? And that, that can be hard. I think that people also probably over-worry about not being prepared. And that's where, again, talking to a good career professional can help you feel ready to go. What are people up against that they may not even realize when submitting a resume? I think the days of having a very general resume and tossing it out there to, you know, hope it sticks with some employer are really gone. Many employers now use artificial intelligence and applicant tracking systems to review resumes electronically. So applicants really need to target their resume to the role they want. I remember talking to an alumni who'd been in sales his entire career. He wanted to move into management, but as he applied for jobs, people were like, oh, great, you should get called for sales roles. Um, and he didn't want to do that. But when I looked at his resume, it really kind of screamed sales success with all of those metrics. So we revised his resume to talk about training new staff, contributing to the strategic planning and project management. Those were all things he'd done, but because it wasn't kind of his primary job, he wasn't even mentioning it on his resume. So that's that's the targeting I mean, targeting yeah. it toward what you want to do. Yeah, that's 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 a great example. That, that, yeah. I appreciate somebody like you helping a, a person like that. That's great. Some people are job switching due to COVID or they've opted out of the workforce because of COVID for a while, but now they're getting back into it. Um, is it your sense that employers are so grateful to have job applications that maybe being out of the workforce for a time or not having much experience in that new field to them, does it count against people like it used to, or is it still tough out there for for prospective employees? Well, I think we are seeing an increase in the number of available jobs, which is good for somebody that is now stepping back into the workforce. But I think we're also seeing that employers might be willing to go without someone rather than just hiring the wrong person. 
So that targeting really becomes important. I would also say, though, experience doesn't have to be in the workplace. It might be through volunteerism, maybe those side gigs that people have done. It's really about talking about the skills that someone has gained and how they could contribute that to this particular organization. So you're just basically, correct me if I'm wrong, you're just talking about all these different life skills that people will kind of learn over time in doing all sorts of different activities. Oh, exactly. Exactly. You know, um, I know it's getting close to Girl Scout cookie time, and I think about, you know, all of the skills that come by being a Girl Scout cookie leader, you know, there that would be still valuable to an employer. What is the website for the Career Center if somebody would like to reach out to you and try to get some help? Sure, and I'm in the College of Business, so business.unl.edu slash careers. And then to learn about other career services professionals on campus, the careers.unl.edu website is a good place to start. Thanks a lot. Chris Tim from the University of Nebraska. She's there to help students that are out looking for employment, but also if you attended the university and you want to make a career switch or you're looking for a new job, um, you might want to think about going back to your old college and getting some help there. Yeah, that that was great information and uh, great advice uh, that, that a person can receive. Thanks a lot, Chris, and have a good week out there. You too. Thank you. After the break, business startups, closings, and businesses moving around. And I love it. Yeah, I love it. I was born and raised here. I got it made And if I have my way, I'm going to stay. Ever it's Grow Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. Lincoln weather this upcoming week? Who knows? Um, this is our segment about businesses opening, closing, and moving around. Let's talk about West Lincoln, Dave. Well, let's do that, but let's mention our sponsors first, That Robin. might be a good idea. Yeah. This segment is possible today because of University of Nebraska-Lincoln College of Business, Frank Financial Concepts, and Realtors Association of Lincoln. And because they do these things, we're able to check things out and bring that kind of news to you. Permanently closed and now listed for sale, CJ Neighborhood Bar and Grill. That was on 200 West P Street. Yeah. And the, the building is now on the market. It is, Robin. We talked about this uh, on uh, Jack Mich- Mitchell's morning show, and he did the same thing I did. I've looked at that and said, I should stop in there sometime, and I've never done it. It's too late, and it's all your fault. It probably is. Yes. Um, you uncovered oh. a heck of a building permit for Duncan Aviation. Now, we had a little bit of news about them a couple weeks ago. Right. They had phase one a couple weeks ago, which was... Uh, uh, some demolition work and some parking lot work. This is, uh, once again, for a hangar, an airport hangar, and two-story support addition with a mezzanine level, uh, and the uh, tenant improvements on the second level of Duncan's existing building. The new hangar size, 46,000 square feet. The support space, 32,000 square uh, square feet. And as I mentioned, this is phase two of four. And the first phase was already done. Building permit, I saw 28 
million dollars for that, that building permit. And you know that's not the total cost, not anywhere no. close to the total cost. That's amazing. Well, and yeah, because that doesn't include all the infrastructure that they have to put in with their office uh, gear and all that and stuff. So, ugh, a lot of stuff. Yeah. Well, also out in West Lincoln, 650 residential units coming in as you are driving along the bypass, Highway 77, West Pioneers. Just kind of look over there to your west, um, kind of look over in the direction of Folsom. There, That is where these homes or apartments are going oh, going to be a lot of apartments are going yep. to come yeah maybe mostly apartments do you think i think mostly apartments maybe some townhomes yeah Th- this is a tiff project a tax increment financing project and there's going to be some low income housing credits and affordable housing which we really need in our city i mean we certainly do I, you and I were talking off mic earlier today about a new townhouse or home can't get into it for anything less than three hundred fifty to four hundred thousand. It's just it's, astoundingly it's, it's, it's expensive. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There, it's it's just difficult. So, very interesting stuff, though, Robin. Hey, we've let's go to some other areas of town and talk about them. Yeah, and we, you know, one thing that we do on this segment is we take questions from our listeners and our Facebook and Twitter fans. Let's go to the questions first before. Yeah, and some of them submit things to us, which is what. Lo Spalding did. Um, first, she asked a question, and then she answered her own question. <laughs> I mean, she got the answer before I did. She um, messaged us a photo. She was wanting to know what what was going in at South 48th and Van Dorn. This would be across the street south from McDonald's, yeah. from Van Dorn Shopping Center. There used to be a bank there. And she snapped a picture of Speedy Pete's e-bikes well i think i thought that that was the the deal on 27th and randolph that's where they've been yeah huh that's where they were interesting yeah making a move there we go uh and then you had another person uh robin this uh craig conley yes he said good afternoon having lunch at panera was curious if the downtown location is going to open again or has that run its course. If you have an update, that would be great. Thanks. Um, checked online, checked the websites. No more downtown Panera. Yeah, it's permanently closed. At some point, yeah, I, I think maybe there was some question for a while during the pandemic, but at some point they made a permanent decision not to reopen that. Yeah, that's that's kind of too bad for, for some folks down there. Uh, in the downtown, I should say. Uh, hey, Robin, let's head up north to about 66th and Arbor Road. Which uh, is near? It's near Interstate 80. Yeah. And just off of 56 and or Highway 77, whichever you want to call it. And this is to the east of that. The There is a new camping world up there. Uh, several weeks ago, we had talked about uh, uh, annexation going on on uh uh, that area, and it's our understanding that Camping World is now open. Yeah, yeah, that's gone through the city council. Um, and I was asking you, is this like Cabela's? And you said no. No, I think they. It's my understanding that they sell campers, and yeah, you know, pull behind campers and RVs and those sort of things, and then you know, other stuff associated with camping. But I don't think it's like a Cabela's 
where you know you have hunting gear predominantly and fishing gear predominantly i think it, i think it's just more the camping side but i'll tell you if if uh if they had their golden moment it would have been the last two summers during <laughs> you know when people decided to do that instead of stay in a motel or a hotel well i know uh several people who are RVers. And, well, and I, it, it I know was already happening. I mean, people were retiring and deciding to do that. It was kind of this the 70s throwback thing, you know, only it's much nicer now. Yeah. Much more luxurious <laughs> than when they we were be, they can than be, when we were kids, Dave. They can be very nice. So. <laughs> yeah. Um, North 27th Street and Superior. You'll see some construction going up there. 360,000 building permit for a Chipotle. Chipotle, yeah. Hmm. So, uh, more food uh, around town. And speaking of Panera earlier, I think they are doing a Panera up there as yeah, well. In the same general area. So, you know, you can kind of see what's going on. They're closing the stores that don't have the drive through ability and opening the smaller stores and suburban locations. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Robin, also not very far from there, at 27th and Cornhusker, there was a building permit that was uh, pulled for, and this is in the former Village Inn building there on Cornhusker, for a Japanese steakhouse. We don't know the precise name of the steakhouse, but uh, $150,000 building permit pulled for that. Yeah, it's not, it is not cheap to open a restaurant. No. No. It is not. Do you does your company get a lot of calls from these people that want to do they want to share kitchens? I've gotten a couple of them, but I think they're usually food trucks and they because they're selling to the public, they're required to use a commercial kitchen and we get these calls, you know, yeah. like where can I get a commercial kitchen? I have bad news for you. You cannot get into restaurant space for less than $3,000 or $4,000 a month. It's tough. Can't do it. And, you know, I think sometimes they just, they want to maybe share a kitchen with someone because they only need it one day a week. Right. Mm. Or a few days a week. You know. And maybe, that, that's, maybe, sharing is hard. I it's will tell very you. hard. Sharing yeah. is not as easy as it sounds. Yeah. It, <laughs> somehow... Things don't go well. I don't know why, uh, but it just seems to work that way. I think it's hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Well, Robin, uh, you had some other uh, stuff downtown. Interesting announcement came from Todd Ogden at the Downtown Lincoln Association. Mana Games, which is a board game company, moved into the former Indigo Bridge Bookstore at the Creamery Building at 701 P Street. And Indigo, by the way, is still in business. They moved to, it's really kind of a residential area, um, a block north of A Street at 13th. So in other words, 13th and B Street. Um, so anyway, back to the Creamery Building at 701 P Street. Mana Games does role-playing, video, tabletop board games, and gaming festivals. They serve copy, coffee and snack items, and they have said that families and children are welcome. Well, that's interesting, Robin. Huh. That Boy, have there been a lot of different businesses in that creamery building, and still are. It's, it's kind of a unique building. It's kind of a startup center for retailers. Yeah. 
Yeah. So that's all for Grow Lincoln. Thanks a lot. And send your announcement about your business opening, closing, or relocating to us on Facebook or Twitter. Mm-hmm.